Hey, Kyle, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for joining as the chief Thank financial you. officer from Smile Direct. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? Good to be here. Very good. Thank you so much for being here. This is so cool. I We've got so many questions for you, and I hope if you don't mind, we'd love to just get kind of get right into them. Yeah, that sounds great. Love it. Awesome. Thank you. Throw you right into the line of fire. So what is your opinion? Why are so many folks shorting Smile Direct? It seems like you're you're at like 34% short right now. The stock has uh, gotten pummeled, I would, I would imagine, much by these short sellers kind of align these things here. What's going on? What, what are people complaining about? Tough questions from the start. And, and quickly, since since this is all about clean teeth, I'm going to drink through the straw here, my coffee. But yeah, go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. Well, look, I think, um, you know, anytime you do something uh, disruptive, uh, as with many other disruptive businesses out there, uh, it takes time to understand the business model and, and the complexity. And I think if you look at our story, uh, and it's been a short one at that with, you know, incredible success over over a very short time period, but it's a difficult business to understand. And so there's a lot of noise, um, you know, certainly from an investor perspective, if you look at what's been out there since we've gone public. And I think the important part for us is is really continuing to focus on the mission that we have as a business. We're a very mission driven brand and a company, and I'm sure we'll talk we'll talk a lot more about that. And we've got to we've got to stay focused on executing against that plan. And so uh, you know, I think if we do that, the the short volume that we have on the stock will will take care of itself in time. But a lot of that is just associated with purely the the noise that we have around the business, very similar to many other disruptive brands that you see out there in the market today. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So there there was uh, talk about uh, you know some folks. Because I mean, one of your competitors, I believe, is, and I imagine you do as well, is, is Invisalign. But the difference with Invisalign is that people have to go to a dentist. And, and correct me where I'm wrong here. They've got to go to a dentist, and, and they get the professional molds done or whatever. Uh, Smile Direct, my understanding, is is a, more of something that that you could do from home. This is why your company name is Smile Direct because you're you're bypassing that that normal uh, dentist chain, which is very expensive. I mean, I I had Invisalign. I think it, it was like five or six thousand dollars or something crazy, right? Uh, and so, can you speak a little bit to uh, those differences, uh, and then maybe also some some uh, touch on why some folks have said maybe there's a downside to skipping that dentistry, or are, are certain people's gums not capable of maybe receiving uh, aligners, and and could those cause problems? And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Let, let me be let me be clear. There is 100% a dentist involved in every single one of our cases. Uh, the, good, only, good the only difference is uh, dentist or orthodontist, right? The only difference is with us, uh, our members have the option to do it 100% remotely. They could also start their journey in person at a dentist office, but we mm. uh, have come up with a teledentistry platform so that you can interface with your dentist completely remotely. Very similar uh, you know, quality of care, standards of care, clinical outcomes, clinical efficacy, but you can do it all through our teledentistry platform versus having to go in person every couple of weeks to see your ortho. And so I think I think the decision that people are making in the marketplace today is do I wanna have that in-person experience every couple of weeks or do I wanna use a teledentistry platform? If they no. use a teledentistry platform, we, are, we're, we win today the vast majority of the time. And one of the initiatives that we're focused on, which the launch of, of selling through the dental practice uh, is actually starting to take share from those people who actually wanna go in person. And I think if you look at, you know, you go to our website, you can you can see directly on there the why, you know, why Smile Direct Club versus Invisalign. And I think there's a lot of 
very compelling points there that will help people understand that they can get a safe and clinically effective outcome, but do it at a price of 1950 instead of five to $8,000 or three times more expensive. And so all of that is, is made possible by the teledentistry platform that our doctors use. The teledentistry, are you using teledoc to, to set this up? So we're not, but it's a similar platform. It's our proprietary technology mm -hmm. that we created and, and our doctors uh, you know, use that portal. They can video uh, interface directly with, uh, with their patients or our club members through that uh, platform. Got it. Now, uh, these, the dentists who uh, answer the call, so to speak, are, are these uh, employees or are they subcontractors? How does that work? Yeah, so we're, we're set up legally as what's called a dental service organization. Uh, and so we contract with you know, professional corporations that are independently owned by dentists or, or orthodontists. And we provide a range of, of uh, you know, non-clinical services to those professional corporations. So they're not employees uh, under the strict uh, sort of legal standards that we have to abide by. But there's, uh, you know, lots of dental service organizations that are, have operated for a long time in brick and mortar practices. And we're structured in a very similar fashion to that. It's just all done using our teledentistry platform. To the consumer, it's it's no different, right? They view mm. they view uh, when they come to our website and and uh, uh, they choose if they want to go to a dental practice or if they want to order an impression kit or if they want to go to our smile shop. Uh, you know, they view that dentist all part of our network and and uh, view the entire experience as part of Smile Direct Club. Got it. Okay. Now, what about the pandemic? The pandemic uh, seems like it, it, it hit revenue uh, a good amount, you know, lost about 100 mil compared to what the 750 that you had in the prior year. Um, how have things come back? Has it been slow growth coming back? You know, how, what, what is it taking to get people to come back to Smile Direct after COVID? And, and you'd think that, hey, it's, you know, you could do it online. You don't have to go to a dentist's office, but it seems like maybe people care less about dental care right now during the pandemic. How has that been hitting y'all? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say that if you look at the pandemic when it initially happened for us as a business, I think what it really just highlighted is the, the agility and flexibility that we have from a business model perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, people come to our website. We've got almost 5 million unique people per month that are coming to the website every single month. And they're choosing if they want to order an impression kit or go to one of our smile shops. Prior to COVID, about 90% of people were going into a smile shop. You know, we had to shut all of those down in the early stages of COVID and 100% of, of people were going through impression kits. And so just a complete pivot uh, in the business model. And as we've come out of COVID, we've been able to rebuild our smile shops in a way where we're operating them at a much higher utilization. And so pre-COVID, you know, let's say maybe the, the shops were 20% utilized. Today, they're closer to 60% utilized. So the shops are much more profitable We've rebuilt it in a much more scalable way as we think about the, the longer term trajectory. And we've also built uh, you know, uh, partnerships with dental practices. We're in about 500 practices today, and that's rapidly growing as well. So I think COVID has enabled us to you know, change the, the business model from a pr uh, perspective of where consumers are going and, and how they're interacting with us. Uh, you know, from a revenue perspective, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, down about 100 million yeah, I think if you look at it uh, from a quarterly perspective, you know, we really saw the biggest impact of that this past quarter in, in Q2 uh, of 2021. And, and, you know, if you look at our core demographic, our core mm -hmm. demographic, and it goes back to the mission of the business and, and what we're so passionate about, our household income on average is about 65, 70,000 in household income. 
So the average, well, household income is actually on the lower side, actually, because regular individual income is is somewhere around, I feel like, 59000 in the United States or something like that. You're saying household income. Okay, household. gotcha. So lower demo. Household. So it's a lower demo. And, and that's, you know, what the mission is all about. It's about, you know, democratizing access to care, making it affordable to everyone, making it convenient for everyone. But that demographic, in, in particular, in Q2, from a macro perspective, is hurting, right? A mm. lot of... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the stimulus packages have, have worn off. If you look at the, the impact of inflation in particular, it's, it's hurting our demographics. So we don't believe there's any sort of long-term fundamental changes to the prospects uh, of the business as a result of that. But certainly some, some near-term headwinds, if you look at Q2 in particular, as a result of some of those macro factors. And that's why, you know, moving upstream to someone who can afford to pay five to $8,000, but they realize, you know, why would I pay that three times markup when I can get you know, safe and clinically effective outcome that Smile Direct Club is going to guarantee for life. You know, why would I do that when I can pay 1950? And so that's why diversifying our demographics is so important long term. Now, what about? Uh, I'm just looking here. It's, it seems like you've got um, uh, long term debt uh, as of the last filing here of somewhere around 733 mil. Uh, lease is only about 26 million of that. Where, where's all this debt from? And and uh, how does the debt affect your uh, you know, the potential for having to raise capital looks like what last quarter you had about 376 million in cash receivables, about 214. Do you have any trouble getting people paying uh, for your receivables or, or any any issues with the with the liabilities you have? No. So if you look at the as you point out, between cash and the receivables that we have, you know, well over 500 million of, of liquidity. And, and we think that certainly gives us uh, you know enough liquidity on the balance sheet to get us to cash flow profitability. And you know, the debt that we raised, we did a convertible offering uh, in uh, March of, of this past year. Uh, and that offering, uh, you know, comes due in, in five years. Uh, it was a great deal uh, where, where the uh, current shareholders took on minimal dilution, right? So we put in a, a clause in there where our shareholders don't take on dilution uh, until the stock was up 100%. So into the high 20s before the, the existing shareholders would take on dilution there. So oh, because that was done around $10 or so. Yeah, we struck it. Uh, it was actually slightly higher than that. But we put a okay. cap ball where it was up 100% before there was any dilution. So it was a really gotcha. low uh, cost of capital. The all in cost of that debt is about 2% a year, 0% uh, wow. cash coupon bond. So very efficient cost of capital for us to grow the business. And uh, you know, certainly finances the cash burden that we have over the next several years. If you look at the burden that we have, all of that is associated with just the, the sheer growth initiatives and opportunities that we have as a business. So, you know, we're in what we believe to be the, the very early stages of a massive market opportunity. You know, we think there's 500 million people globally that have some type of crowding or, or spacing issues within their teeth and can also afford to, to pay for treatment as well. Less than 1% of those are treated annually. So we're investing heavily wow. in our brand to be able to, to capture market share there long term. We're also- Yeah, it looks like you spent like three times as much money on marketing this last quarter than you did in 2020. Is that where most of the money's going to? Or like, how do your manufacturing costs scale? It actually looks like your cost of revenues went down despite your revenue going up uh, substantially from 2020 to 2021, uh, at least on the three months ended in June. Yeah, so we've automated a significant portion of manufacturing. You know, okay. If you look at our, our long-term target for our gross margins, uh, we've got an 85% gross margin target out there. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the automation that we've built around manufacturing. And we're, we're pretty close to, to achieving that target today. 
so gross margin, you know, we to to your point, we we've come a long way there in a very short period of time. Um, yeah. So how do you do that? I mean, is it, I mean, because you're manufacturing a product. Uh, so yeah, it looks like right now you're somewhere around, uh, you know, seventy nine percent. But how do you how do you go from? Uh, well, let, let me rephrase my question. My understanding is you sell products, but you also have the service. Uh, is is the product just very high margin then? I mean, I imagine it must be. I mean, because they're, they're molded, uh, yeah. like essentially plastic. It, it can't be that expensive to actually make the individual product. It's more the marketing and acquiring the customer and getting it to the customer and maybe the the service of, of uh, providing the teledoc experience, right? Well, I shouldn't yeah, say telehealth, right. experience, telehealth experience. <laughs> that's right. And, and look, that's what we found so fascinating about this industry, right? That mm. The cost of the plastic in perspective of the cost of the total system is very, very small. So, I see. you know, uh, an Invisalign would sell the the aligners for maybe $1,250 to the dentist or the ortho. They right. mark that up three times and sell that back to the consumer. And so that's where we saw the opportunity for us to come in with a product that is you know, uh, from a clinical standpoint, safe and, and efficacious, but costs three times less at 1950. So there's the cost of the product itself. And then there's everything that wraps around that. So we're investing heavily in the brand today. One one in two consumers, uh, if you were walking down the street and asked them if, if they're familiar with Smile Direct Club, would say yes. So our aided awareness today is very, very high. And we're building a brand there to support long-term growth. Uh, but it's also the growth initiatives that we have as well. We're investing heavily into uh, you know, innovation, research and development to continue to disrupt themselves on the product side. We're investing heavily in international expansion. We, we just announced France. That's our 14th international market in just over two years that we've expanded into. Uh, and so there's a lot of areas across the business that we continue to invest in, which is where you see the, 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 the cash burden that we have quarter to quarter coming in. It's really to, to position us for the longer term growth that we see just given the massive market out there. That makes sense. How, uh, I mean, so you mentioned earlier inflation. Uh, where are you seeing inflation? I mean, it, it, the cost of the plastic going up can't, can't be that much of a burden to y'all. Uh, is it, it, are like ads getting more expensive or the people more expensive? Uh, the, the people that you're doing the, the telehealth with? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, that, that's more uh, of a direct impact on our core demographic. So mm, mm, I see. second quarter, if you look at revenues, uh, you know, being off of where we expected them to be, a core part of that was just the impact that we saw on our core customer. So you know, non-discretionary items. So the cost of gas, as an example, was up significantly. If you take a household that's making 65, 70,000 and inflation's up six or 7% year over year, you know, that's several thousand dollars that has a big impact in that household, which would equate to the cost of a liner. So it was a a near-term impact inflation was one example that we saw on the cost of or, or the impact to our core demographic there again i think all of that's transitory i don't think there's anything out there if you look at the, the long-term potential of where we go I, we don't think there's anything uh there from a long-term perspective that impacts the growth i, I remember and it might be slightly off on exactly this statistic but i, I remember reading something from the federal reserve that 40 percent of those making less than forty thousand dollars which would probably be within your demographic uh 40 percent of people making less than forty thousand dollars are uh, in either retail or hospitality or some form of uh service industry affected by the pandemic uh, and a lot of these folks are still unemployed even though companies are rehiring some of them have lost their skill set uh they haven't gotten vaccinated uh, the, the more people in this demographic are unlike 
uh, or unlikely to get vaccinated, right? So uh, it almost seems like it's going to take longer and it's going to be harder for this potential demographic to get back uh, to, to profitability, so to speak, uh, and potentially being a customer. Uh, what what can you do to scale up? I mean, is is there is there a reason? Maybe the demographic is lower. What's what's stopping people who use Invisalign from from using your product? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question, and it's all part of the you know the strategy that we you know we we positioned ourselves for. So I think I think you know we've recently launched what we call the Challenger campaign, right? And so what that is is it's starting to go directly head to head against Invisalign. And it's to help people understand, as I said before, why would I pay three times more when I can get a safe and effective outcome uh, you, you know, using Smile Direct Club and their teledentistry platform? And we're, the, the goal over time is for people to truly understand that messaging. And so that's exactly right. Over time, we've got to continue to move and expand our, our demographic to be able to take share from people who you know, could afford to pay five to $8,000, but choose not to because Right. You know, our platform is more accessible for them. It's more convenient. They can do it all remotely uh, and it's much more affordable as well. So you're know, giving them the value for the product. So that's all part of the longer term strategy that we have that takes share uh, within the broader orthodontic category. You know, I was thinking about that too. How, it, it, maybe this is more of a technical thing, but how does a teledentist evaluate my gums? Uh, for, for example, do I do, like, do I mirror it? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. So, um, it, you know, they have if you go through the process, if you order an impression kit or if you go into one of our small shops or if you go to one of our, our dental practice partners, uh, you know, they're doing a, an initial assessment and review based on oral pictures. So you take a, a variety of pictures where they can see the structure of the gums. They can see your teeth and the position of them. Uh, with so it's the, not Zoom. <laughs> they're actual pictures. That's good. OK, that's good. To know. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're actual pictures. And then yeah. if they need more information, uh, you know, so a, a dentist who effectively the process would be and let's say you ordered an impression kit. Right. So you'd order a kit to your home. Uh, you would do the mold directly in your home and it creates a, a mold of, of your teeth and you would take the pictures. You would send those into us. That effectively creates a digital image file, no different than if you went into a dentist practice, they're going to do a scan of your mouth and that creates a digital image file. From that, we map out how your teeth are going to move throughout treatment. All, all that information is going to your state licensed uh, dentist or orthodontist. There's a quality check. We have a clinical team, over 100 dentists uh, inside that are employed by SDC where we do a quality review prior to it going to your state licensed ortho or dentist for them to review. But they're looking at all of that information. They're looking at your medical and dental history. They're looking at the oral pictures. They're looking at the, uh, the scan itself or the impression and the treatment plan. And so based on all of that, they can push it back to our team and say, I want to make these changes to the treatment plan and move these teeth in a different way. They can approve the plan and say, yeah, this looks great. Uh, they could deny the plan and say, you're not a good fit for orthodontics for a variety of different reasons. Or they could push it back to the patient and say, you need to go for clearance. And so clearance would be, you know, I need an x-ray or I need you to go for a perio test. They see something in the gums they didn't like. And mm. so with the pictures that we get and load into our teledentistry platform, there's so much the doctor can, can do with that. And so today we can treat about 90% of the cases that are coming to us from, uh, you know, just from the information that we're, uh, you know, we're gathering. And then if needed, the, the clinical team, the dentist can get on the phone as well throughout treatment with the patient actually go through the, the video chat and understand how the aligners are fitting, triage any problems, bring them back in if needed as well. So the, 
the clinical outcomes, clinical efficacy is no different than if you're going to go into a you know brick and mortar practice. And um, you know, that's been a critical message for us to get out there for people to understand. You're going to get a safe and effective outcome. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we actually guarantee that for life now. We'll guarantee the outcome of your smile. As long as you're compliant with treatment, you wear your retainers, uh, you know, we'll, we'll guarantee the, the outcome that we're providing to people. Uh, how, what, what's it been like trying to partner with, uh, with, with actual dentists uh, who have their practices? I, don't, I shouldn't say actual dentists to say that your dentists aren't actual. <laughs> I, I mean, like for existing practices, right, who may already have Invisalign uh, units or whatever. What, what's that like? Uh, how, how do you bridge that gap? Yeah, look, I mean, we're, we're, if they want to provide Invisalign at the same time, we're, we're not against that by any means. You know, I think, okay. uh, you know, if you look at orthodontic care historically, as I said before, less than 1% of the market is treated annually. There's such a massive opportunity out there. And the GP market, the, you know, when I say GPs, meaning general practitioner dentists, you know, in particular, uh, only about a third of all dentists prescribe any sort of aligners today at all. And so it's pretty low volume in the big picture of uh, the entire dental population. And the ones that do are very low volume. So, you know, you're going to have some that are high volume providers. You're going to have some that almost do none. But on average, they're only doing three or four cases every single quarter. Oh, wow. It's For Invisalign. Very, that's it. Exactly. So it's, it's a oh, very wow. small percentage in terms of revenue for their practice. So what, what they love about our offering is that we're bringing incremental revenue into their practice. It's highly profitable for them because there's very little chair time involved in our model, which is so important in a dental practice. It's all about chair time. And then we also bring the added value of our leads as well. So we'll go into a, a partner practice and we'll host a pop-up event. And so what that means is, you know, we'll bring a hundred patients over the course of a weekend into their practice uh, that are interested in Smile Direct Club and they'll have the opportunity to convert those members into dental patients. And so we, we put out an example with one of our biggest partners, uh, Smile Brands, last quarter. We've already, we've already scheduled uh, a thousand uh, referrals, be it through hygienes or other types of appointments since we've launched in a, in a pretty short period of time. The lifetime value of that for them is three to five million dollars. And so there's there's you know, massive opportunity from from partnerships and, and leads that we're pushing into these dental practices as well, which is another thing that they're excited about. So it's been very well received. You know, I think there's an evolution there where we've got to continue to help dentists understand that clinically our product is no different than than other products on the market today. Uh, and, and uh, you know, continuing to deliver that message to help them understand our, our value proposition and the impact we can have on their practice. That's interesting. Yeah, change that. Is it is it like the the name or something, or or what what has created that impression? I mean, have you you know if, if this was like, I don't know, uh, if, if the name was different, would that make a difference, or is it just a matter of you're building the company? And I'm not I'm not bagging you on the name. I'm just wondering, like, why why is that impression there? Is it because it's online and just the price is lower, maybe? Yeah, I think it's uh, look, it's disruptive, right? Take okay. take any industry that's been disruptive. The status quo is going to push back on that, right? So. Yeah. Uh, it's it's viewed as competitive to uh, you know the 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 bottom line of, of orthodontists and, and clearly they view that as competitive and so the dental ah, oh oh I see okay okay so sorry to interrupt but what you're saying is if if you sell Invisalign in your office you know they're selling you the kit for fifteen hundred bucks you're selling it for five six thousand dollars the dentist is like hey sweet this is thirty five four five thousand bucks a profit here. 
you know, the, what's what's the profit with with the Smile Direct? Is it is it then potentially? I mean, you said it's nineteen hundred dollars. What would their profit potentially be? I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's I, a it's a fraction of that. So our price is our price is the same. You know, it's nineteen fifty. Doesn't matter if you order an impression kit or go to a dental practice. And so that's all about the you know what I said at the start. It's about the mission, democratizing access, making it affordable to everyone. And so. A lot of that noise that's out there, to your point, is because of that sort of confrontation and, and what's seen as competition. I think the reality is, mm. you know, completely understand that as an orthodontist, as a dentist, we've been very good for the industry. We've, we've you know, risen awareness overall of the category. Uh, we've spent a lot of money on marketing, which has has continued to drive more patients into dental practices. We've got great partnerships with dental practices. So that that's a perception that we're changing over time. It's not going to happen overnight. But I think yeah. we're making good good progress there, and we've got you know, a really strong clinical advisory board as well uh, that's helping us make sure we get that message out there properly and uh, you know, help dentists understand that we can be a great partner for the practice. That makes sense. What um what about these? Uh, and I know there's a limit to what could be said here, but so I'm going to phrase this, uh, I think appropriately. Do do investors need to be worried about these lawsuits? Yeah, I, I think there's. You know, sort of another, uh, you know, misperception, right, that's out there. Yeah. If you look at the lawsuits, we're generally the plaintiff, uh, right? <laughs> and so yeah. uh, we're, we're not the ones, and there are some where we're not, but but we're generally the plaintiff in the suits. And so I think when you look at uh, what's out there on the legal side, and there's not too much I can say given, uh, you know, we're in litigation on a variety of them, but, you know, we think we're in a very good position across all of them. The important part is, you know, we're, we're not going to let someone harm our brand, which at the end of the day is going to go against the mission of what we're trying to do, which is, as I said, about democratizing access to care, making it affordable for everyone, convenient for everyone. And so if someone is is trying to damage the brand, we've got to take exception to that. I think that's what a lot of these suits that you've seen have been about. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at it from a regulatory perspective, we're in a great spot. You know, we've we've won in almost 30 states since the 2020 legislative sessions. The broad acceptance of telehealth and teledentistry is something that was already underway pre-COVID. It certainly accelerated post-COVID, and, and we think we're in a very good position there. Uh, we've had some some good uh, wins on the legal side as well. If you look at the history of the business and where we've you know where we've won, that's had a big impact on the business. And uh, you know we think we're in a very good position with the cases that are out there today as well. Any buybacks planned? Yeah, not so. <laughs> You know, it's always something we're thinking about, right? I mean, what's the best use of our capital? Uh, you know, I think for us, as we look at the cash that we have on the balance sheet and just the sheer growth opportunity that we have, the best use of our cash, at least for right now, is to continue to invest in the growth initiatives that we, we have out there. So, you know, partnerships with dental practices, international expansion, the team market, continuing to get our brand awareness out there, uh, help people understand that, you know, the, the clinical safety like we've talked about. So, uh, we, we think that's the, the highest and best use of our cash right now, but it's always something that we're looking at. You know, the, does a buyback uh, you know, make sense? Is that a better use of cash? And obviously acquisitions as well. We're always looking at, uh, you know, technologies that we can bolt onto the platform that will continue to disrupt what we've built here over time. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, so, uh, gosh, what what else haven't I asked? I mean, that's been pretty thorough. That's answered a lot of the questions that I have. Uh, what what am I missing? I mean, I know you also uh, because and I don't own any of your stock, uh, but I, I do have uh, two toothbrushes and two tooth uh, washing things. So, so thank you. Of course, for that. What do you think? Uh, 
I, you know, is it, that can't be a big part of uh, of, of revenue, though? Is it, it, how how does that fit in? Is that sort of part of the kit that you buy? Yeah, it's really um, so. If you look at all the ancillary products, uh, it's about ten percent of revenue today. That includes retail. okay. Um, you know, all of those products are really about two things. So one, the biggest client there is Walmart. So Walmart does close to forty percent of all oral care sales around the country go through our Walmart today. You know, we're in uh, 4,000 plus stores around the country in Walmarts. And so from a brand awareness perspective, it's great, you know, great lead gen capability for us. And mm. so uh, it's introducing someone to the brand. It doesn't take a big conversion uh, downstream of people who go from, you know, buying a toothbrush to buying aligners for that to have a very material impact in our P&L. So there's a, a brand building lead gen aspect on the front end of that. But then on the back end as well, as someone has finished treatment, the ability to have recurring revenue there and own the bathroom through toothbrushes and paste and other oral care products gives us a recurring revenue stream, increases the lifetime value of, you know, of those club members. So it really does both of those lead gen on the front end, recurring revenue on the back end and sort of wraps around the, uh, the, the, the core aligner uh, business. That makes sense. Okay. Got it. Uh, what, what else, uh, what else do you think I, I'm missing here? I, it seems to me, like, uh, in my understanding is your, your biggest challenge is really convincing dentists that they can do more business more efficiently working with y'all and therefore make more money uh, by selling the aligners and, and, and creating that sort of relationship. Uh, it does sound like a hard, uh, a hard sell. So I, I wonder what percentage maybe of your revenues come from dentists with individual practices versus people going through your website? Yeah, the dental side is very, very small today. So that's a okay. new that's a new growth initiative that we've only launched. You know, if you go back to last fall, we were still in a pilot. We only launched, you know, call it this time last year, a little bit later, uh, out of pilot mode with our first practice. So it's it's a newer growth initiative. We've grown that to about 500 practices over the past year. Uh, we've got close to 2,000 total in our network, and so you know it is it is growing rapidly, but it's a smaller portion of the business today. You know, we think important for for longer term growth, but something that we're in the early stages of of building. Got it, got it. So most mostly yeah. online. Then, so then, I, what's your most effective sort of uh, advertising? Is it is it just, you know, search engine, uh, you know, ads, uh, or or what do you like doing? Yeah, I would say all the above. So you know, our strategy broadly is about driving people to the website. So if you think yeah. about how they how they get there, uh, about twenty percent of the business today comes through a referral. And so a pretty okay. meaningful portion is referral driven. Uh, a large portion is organically. We've got over 50% aided awareness. So if you were walking down the street, you know, one in two people are familiar with the Smile Direct Club brand. And so organically are, are coming to us when they're thinking about straightening their teeth. And then a third part of that is marketing. But we're driving all of those to the website, empowering them to order an impression kit, book at a dental practice or, or go to a smile shop. Uh, and on the marketing side, it's pretty broad. We're about 60% of our spend is online. We've got about 40% of our spend is a combination of uh, offline. So TV, out of home, things like that. And online, it's it's all the platforms that you would think. So Google's a big part of that. Facebook and Instagram are big parts of that. But it truly is a, a multi-touch approach where we'll touch a, a consumer across multiple platforms. You know, if you think about the, uh, the journey that someone has been on, you know, having crooked teeth has been a, a lifelong problem for, for most people. Yeah. And so 90% of people have crooked teeth could never afford to to straighten and something has happened to say now's the right time it could be a new job or a wedding or a divorce or a birthday whatever it is but there's a 
an event that drives them to say, you know, now's the time for me to do it. And so for us, it's really about generating the lead and then cultivating that lead over a long period of time to get them to, to ultimately convert to buying aligners. So it's a pretty complex, you know, marketing strategy. We do almost everything internally. We've got about 100 team members on our marketing team uh, and, and do you know, pretty much all of our creative and marketing in-house today. What's the uh, time frame if somebody wanted to, you know, start the process? I'm sure this is on your website, but I'm just going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. So on average, uh, the treatment length is four to six months on average. And so it, there, there's not a, a definitive line within there, but that's an average treatment of about four to six months uh, that someone would go through. Okay. And I think probably the last question that I have is what, what do y'all project in terms of uh, path to profitability? I think Bloomberg uh, has y'all uh, as an estimate here of uh, these are analyst expectations somewhere around mm, 2024, maybe, maybe profitable, yeah. right? 25, somewhere in there. So for us, I, I think the important metric for us is really adjusted EBITDA. So we're, okay. you know, we're a growth business. We've spent so much in, in CapEx and, and other growth initiatives that you'll see that depreciation and amortization, you know, mm. hitting the PL more so than other businesses. So, Okay. The right way to think about it for us is adjusted EBITDA. The only real adjustment to that is stock comp. So there's not yeah. a there's not a whole lot of things that flow through there, uh, as you might see in in um, uh, you know other private equity type businesses, as an example. But from an EBITDA perspective, we've actually been profitable for a while. We weren't this past quarter with the down quarter that we had, but we've turned profitable in Q3 of last year, and uh, obviously very focused on on getting back to that EBITDA profitability. But that's that's the main metric that we're focused on. If you look at the long-term metrics that we're going after there, top line is 20 to 30% annualized growth uh, is what we're focused on achieving. Uh, mm-hmm. And adjusted EBITDA margins off of that would be about 25 to 30%. Nice, nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that uh, seems pretty consistent, at least uh, with, with uh, Bloomberg. Uh, their, their, their conglomeration of all the analysts, they seem to put you between that, yeah, that 20 to 30% over the next few years of growth. So that's exciting. Uh, and and then that makes sense on uh, focusing on the EBA, which then they're suggesting getting back to EBITDA profitability by 23. Uh, you think you can make it happen in 2022? <laughs> Look, we're, we, uh, we're not giving forward guidance, um, you know, right now. But what I will say is the, the long-term targets that we put out there uh, is what we're focused on executing sort of year in, year out. If you look at the next five years, the goal is to ramp to that 25, 30% by the end of that time period. That makes sense. That's awesome, man. Okay. Any, what else? Did I miss anything? I mean, this is, this was really insightful. I really appreciate you coming on. I think it's, it's worth just a quick disclosure. I'm not paid by y'all and I don't own any shares yet. Who knows? Maybe we'll buy some shares. Uh, but I always, I like to put that out there. Uh, it, it, otherwise you get the troll comments. People are like, oh, you, how much did you get paid for the interview? Right. I got two toothbrushes and two tooth cleaning things. That's it. Okay. <laughs> That's well, it. give us the feedback on the brush. We'd love to have it. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks. I think in terms of, you know, uh, things we missed, I don't think so. I think we covered it. I think that just to kind of recap for us, I mean, you know, our belief is we're in the very kind of early stages of what we think is just a massive market opportunity out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a company, very mission driven, uh, you know, it's all about democratizing access to care. Like I said, we're disrupting a category that uh, for a very long period of time has provided a, you know, a 3X markup uh, associated with care. We're removing that consumers, making it affordable to everyone, making it convenient for everyone. Uh, and on top of that, guaranteeing, you know, guaranteeing that outcome for life. So, um, you know, just remain incredibly excited and optimistic about where we think this this brand can go over time. And, 
uh, you know, doing it by, by at the same time solving a very important problem for people, which is, which is fun. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, I think uh, probably what one thing if, if folks are really excited about investing in uh, new opportunities, one of the best things I always suggest is just try the product. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, that, that I might I might have to sign myself up for a, a four to six month there, and and uh, uh, you know, I think when you're a user of the product, it all makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we'd love that. We'd love feedback too. So you know, if you do go through treatment, definitely send in feedback. And we, for our investors as well, we do have a stock perks program where they can get discounts and other things like that too, which uh, which is a nice perk. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Uh, anything else you want to add? Any shout out you want to throw in there? But otherwise, I I'm done. Thank you so much. I'm going to go make myself another cup of coffee. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Smile Direct CFO here. Thank you again. And uh, folks, I'm going to end the live stream. I will post this video separately. So it's a standalone Smile Direct as well uh, later today. So thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you again. And uh, shout out to Smile Direct. Thanks thank again, you. everyone.